Well, I want to thank you for weathering the cold out there, but at least it's sunny today. Welcome to Vision Sunday. Every year we set this Sunday as a special day to talk about um, an unusual kind of sermon, to not have a typical expository sermon, which is the way we preach in this church, where that means we take the scriptures and we expose them, and then we uh, draw out the implications of that. But today is a little more topical. I would like for this Vision Sunday to speak to three things. I want to talk to where we've been, why it matters, and what's next. And this weekend is also when we have our annual vestry retreat. So the vestry was at my house all weekend, and we were doing business, we were praying, we were talking about what God is doing in our midst. And one of the things that the vestry does each year is they actually open the big green parish registry. We actually have an old school hardback book that's about this tall. We open that up, and on the inside cover is written a statement of truth that we believe the Bible to be God's word and contain all things necessary for life and salvation, and that we as leaders will be faithful to the doctrine, discipline, and worship of Christ as the church has received those things. So we are stewards of those things. We don't invent truth. We don't uh, revise it. We are simply stewards of what is true. And the vestry all sign in on that book. And I noticed this year, just something I hadn't paid attention to before, the date that was written in that book when it was started. And it was this day, January 8th, it was January 8th, 2006. So this Sunday is the Sunday that we actually recognize our birthday. We as a church are 11 years old today. And I would like to share some of the things that God has done with us in 11 years. Again, just kind of counting up things in that green registry. We have baptized 172 people. We have confirmed 114. We have done 28 weddings. We have had 73 funerals. We have ordained Luke Meminger, Trip Prince, Dan Wolf, myself, Paul Morales, Sam Horowitz, Jay Wright, Clay uh, Hamrick, Brent McHugh, and the late Bill Harkey. That's 10 people that have been ordained and then sent out into ministry. We have paid off half of the cost of our $8.4 million campus. We have refinanced our mortgage this year at a lower interest rate. We have had an average Sunday attendance for 2016, this pre previous 12 months, counting only Sundays, of 497 people. There are three of you I'd like to speak with after the service. <laughs> This year, we've added 89 new individuals from 31 new households that have joined the church. And we've finished in the black financially for the first time since we assumed the whole mortgage into our operating budget. And I just want to pause there and give thanks to God. And we need to give him a round of applause for all of that. Uh, back in, in the beginning of December, the vestry approved my request to hire an outside consultant. I now have a coach, a church leader coach, um, and it's a real gift to me. And I've been talking with him, I uh, talked with him in November, and then hired him in December, and we've had two formal calls so far on the phone. He's not Anglican, he's been in business since 1988, and he has coached over 500 people. So he's been doing this a long time. And he sent me a text on Tuesday that was interesting. And it said, hey, Mike, I gave your name to a bishop nearby as an example. Your church is an example of health and church renewal. 
And I thought, wow, I call him up and I talk to him about all the things I think I'm doing poorly and why I need a coach. And he discerned that because he's also our missionary Brent McHugh's coach and one of our leaders in the church, he coaches that guy as well. So these are, these are things that he has discerned in hearing through other people and just taking a look from the outside at our church. But I think that's a huge praise to God and to you that he sees our church as a healthy church and one that's pursuing renewal. Again, God is doing great things in the midst of this congregation. Now, that's where we've been. And I could say more statistics, but I think you get the picture. Now, why does it matter? Well, as I mentioned, this Sunday is the, the Sunday after the Feast of Epiphany. And that's when the gospel, it's the, it's the celebration of the gospel going out to the Gentiles as typified in the Magi, seeing the star and then coming to Bethlehem. And the Apostle Paul in that epistle that we had read to us in chapter 3 says this. He's speaking of the mystery of the gospel. This is the mystery of the gospel. That the Gentiles are now fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. The gospel is good news. What we proclaim from this, from this Bible is good news for us. And that all people now, it's, it's now accessible to all people because Christ has come. And we are partakers of it. I, was, I oftentimes actually think about where my life would be if I was not a partaker of the gospel. I was 17 years old when the Lord intervened in my life, and he set a different course, a different trajectory. But if he had not come into my life, I can imagine pretty well where I would be at this point. And it makes me shudder. I did a little Facebook snooping this week, and um, Facebook is great because people just put their lives out there, and you can see all sorts of stuff, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and there, there is a, a young man who's now in his, I think he's probably about 30 years old, who was in a ministry that I led back in Texas when we were there as part of a, an Anglican church startup. Um, and this, to, for lack of a better word, this, this guy was a hellion. He was a drinking, drug-using, womanizing parent terror and did all sorts of awful things. And through his parents' faithfulness and through the ministries of the church and my influence in his life and some other things, he became a Christian in, in his, I guess, what would be the college years, but he wasn't doing college because that didn't fit his scheme. And I just went onto his Facebook page and started reading. What's going on in his life? Well, he went, he went off and finished his degree got, at a Christian university. Then he went on and got a law degree. Then he got married and had some kids, and it's obvious he loves his kids. He also has this heart for the poor. He's got a heart for the unborn, and he's got quite a few things on his Facebook page that is lobbying for overthrowing Roe versus Wade. This is a guy who's now outspoken about Christ, and he had scripture references and all sorts of things on there. And it's a picture of the long trajectory of participation in the gospel. Now, we love the dramatic conversions. We love seeing the person who's down, and then the next day they're, they are a totally different person. And that's, that's amazing. But what I've come to realize is I love the story of the long obedience in the same direction, the long, slow progression towards Christ-like character that takes decades. Many of you know what I'm talking about because you've been on that that path. And yes, there are setbacks, and there are times when you think you're not as strong in your faith as you should be. And then there are other times when you recognize it's only by God's grace that you're where you are, and God has more work to do in your life and in my life. 
I love that long obedience in the same direction and that picture of what happens when we participate in the gospel. There's a name for this. It's called discipleship. Discipleship is the word that describes that process of growing into Christ-like character. And if there's one thing that Grace Anglican Church is about, it is about making disciples. That is our primary mission, is to make disciples. And I want to define what a disciple is in the easiest of terms. A disciple is someone who has responded to the invitation Jesus gives. Someone who has repented of sin and turned to him and said, Jesus, I trust in you. As we began, we walked in with a cross. I, I trust in you and what you've done for me on that cross. I have laid down myself and I've made you the Lord. That's what a disciple starts with. And then a disciple also surrenders to a lifelong process of what is called sanctification, of being made holy. There is not a perfect person in this room yet, but the Lord is at work in us and he's smoothing rough edges and he's, he's replacing what was sinful desire and giving us desire for holy and good things. He's making us more and more like Christ. And a disciple has surrendered to that process, that struggle. And it does feel like a struggle. It feels sometimes like we're being pulled in two different directions at the same time. And it's a lifelong process of learning to go where God is pulling you and let go of the old ways. But there's a third component to being a disciple. A disciple who's, is someone who has also heard Jesus say, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We have a missionary God a God who has come to seek and save the lost. And a disciple, a person isn't a full disciple until he or she has taken that mission on as their own. The great commission, also the last commandment of Jesus is go and make disciples. So a disciple is someone who is being made into Christ's image, but is also then helping others come along. Those who've walked longer help those who are newer at it. Those who've never heard need to be told. So we need to go and share the good news with those outside of the community and invite them in. Again, this is good news for all people. And that's what this, this epiphany is all about. The gospel goes out to all people, all nations. There are no distinctions anymore. And so we have to be actively involved in it. The prize is new life in Christ, a transformed life. That's why it matters. That's why all those statistics matter. Because for 11 years, that stuff has been happening through this church by God's Holy Spirit. Now what's next? I want you to hear one simple thing today. Get in the game. Get in the game. Don't sit on the sidelines, get in the game. When you, if you wanna draw near to God, if you want more of God in your life, get around his people. Get involved in ministry. It's great to come on Sunday mornings. I want more than 500 people average next year. Come on Sunday morning. We need to worship the Lord. We need to gather into his presence and be reminded of the good news. And then we are sent out with work to do. This morning, we are publishing our biannual uh, connection guide. And these will be in the back for you on your way out. And I, I really want you to read through it. But I want to explain to you uh, a picture. And you can put that on the screen for me, Daryl, if you want. I know you can't read that back there, but you can see it when you get the connection guide. That's a football field. And that is the vision diagram for our church. There are two end zones. The end zone at the top is our mission, which I've already said is the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. The bottom end zone are the four central ministries of our church. Worship, belonging, mercy, and mission. Those four things we put a lot of effort into. Worship is expressing love for God. 
Belonging is knowing and loving one another. Mercy is serving those who are in need. And mission is telling God's story. Those are the four central things. And when those are happening, we are succeeding. We know it's a, we're scoring a touchdown when those things are happening. Now, I'm not going to go through all of the, the sidelines, but on the sidelines are our values, the way that we play the game, the things that matter as we go about those four central ministries. That's what we're about. That is, that is our vision as a church. It is about helping people become deeply devoted to Christ as disciples. This year, I want to encourage you to get in the game, to to engage in that process I described that's a long trajectory. And maybe this is the year that you need to do something other than Sunday morning. Maybe this is the year that you need to step up into a leadership role in your current ministry. Maybe this is the year that you should try something different. Go on a mission trip. Get involved in some kind of other ministry, something new. I, will, I, I am confident that when you start to engage, you meet God. It's like once you get in motion, you start to have kingdom experiences. And I can tell you from personal experience, the first 17 years of my life sitting in a church pew every Sunday morning, as I did, did very little for my transformation. But when I got in the game, my life changed radically. The Lord is inviting all of us into active participation. So, um, about going, going back again to my coach and his text to me, it was about reputation, right? He somehow had picked up an idea um, about what our church is like. It's a reputation. And he might say to somebody, well, that church is a picture of health and renewal. So last night and this week, I've been thinking about what, what you might call that church statements. What are the kind of things that people would say about this church if they were not part of it? That church, that, that Grace Anglican church is what? And what kind of things do we wish people were saying about our community. So I, I made a list of a few. I'm calling them that church statements. And I hope, I mean, I could, I could keep going with this because there's a lot of kingdom work happening, but some of these are already happening and some of these I hope will happen. So that church is really welcoming. I hear that a lot. Thank you for being that kind of church that welcomes visitors and newcomers and makes room and is not cliquish, but is inviting people in. That church is really welcoming. That church cares for the poor. We have a mission of the week every week reminding ourselves of what we are doing to serve those in need outside of this community. That church cares for the poor. That church believes and preaches God's word. That church worships God with zeal. That church is full of the Holy Spirit. That church disciples all ages from the cradle to the grave. That church helps families disciple their kids. That church develops pastors and raises up the next generation of leaders. That church equips and sends. That church sends people globally to tell the good news. That church feels like a family. That church is a model of church health and renewal. This church needs you to become that church. So I want to encourage you this year to get in the game. Grab a a Get Connected guide, grab that, read through it, look at the ministries. We also have our, our long-awaited photo directory ready. Look at the pictures, start to place names with faces. The only way our church can grow big is if it, at the same time it grows small. 
So that means you can't, you can't know 500 people. It's not possible. You just, you can't tend to that many relationships. So you have to find a smaller subset within that. So we can grow big as long as we are growing small because we don't want to become anonymous. So I want to encourage you to find a way to plug in. The mission of the week this week is actually the Alpha Course, and you'll hear more about that. It's a great opportunity to get plugged in. But I want to encourage you this year to get in the game. May this church become that church I've described. Would you pray with me? Father, again, I praise you for the great gospel work that has occurred and is occurring here. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who is so palpably present in our midst. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each person, those who are already actively engaged and those who've never taken a, a step beyond Sunday morning. Father, I pray for those who are visiting today that they would catch the vision of your kingdom in our midst. And Lord, I thank you. And I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.